Hey folks, Dave here. Andrew. And welcome to So Many Books. So little time. Well, uh, it's a bit of a, another bonus episode we have for you this time. Uh, since we're recording it a few days before Christmas, the, the episode itself will probably be out very early in the new year. This is kind of a best books of 2022, the year in Roundup episode. Yay! Yay! So yeah, Dave. Yeah, we had a situ- we had a little moment um, prior to the podcast starting. Dave, Dave uh, would, would you like to share what happened to our dear listeners? Well, you know, we we, we were setting up for for a normal episode. Uh, at the time of recording, we are about halfway through Cat's Cradle, so you know, Rue had to spend some time finding where she'd put her Kindle. And then, as we continued to talk, I was like, "Oh yeah." Kindle, that's what I need to read the book. Let me go get that. Then I get mine, and then we talk a little more, and I suddenly something hits me. I go, hey, Rue, and she's like, what? And I, we're, we're doing a bonus episode. We don't need our Kindles at all. <laughs> it, was, it was a moment of just, so we just spent half an hour doing this. For what? <laughs> at least we so, know where our Kindles are. Yeah. Uh. So, so it's that thing. If we do come across as uh, erudite and intelligent people, it's all facade. <laughs> we have our blind no. spots, like no. everyone else. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I would never consider myself erudite. No. <laughs> but it's such fuzzy, a nice word. Brand. It's a nice word. Uh, a lovely word to aspire to, but. There, there, there's no way. There's the, there's the beauty of knowing myself that enables me to remain humble. Because no, <laughs> no. Uh, it, it, it's a difficult balancing act, isn't it? Um, yeah. Like, uh, probably like yourself, maybe with a lot of our listeners, I find you know I lack a lot of self-esteem, self-belief, self-love. I have. I have a problem in actually believing and shielding myself. It's something I'm still working on, and I've made great strides throughout my life so far. But, you know, it's something that I might have to keep working on for the rest of my life. And I guess because I kind of see that believing in myself is in the deficit, I've always worried about coming across egotistical, narcissistic, arrogant, uh, like mm. I'm better than other people, you know. Yeah. When, when in reality, I think outside my brain, it's probably the complete opposite and I don't give myself enough credit for what I can do. But, you know, it, it's all, I guess, I guess, yeah, when you're on one side, well, hmm, I wonder if you're on the other side, if you, maybe you don't worry so much, but, you know, I, I constantly worry that, that I'm overstepping what I am. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good question. Like, <laughs> I noticed that we're not talking about the books right now, but this feeling of how do you balance humility mm-hmm. with confidence? How do you balance self-esteem with grace and, and all mm-hmm. these like qualities that balance things out? And I think that's what, maybe that's the, the point. The point is to be moderate, 
to not in I'm not talking in terms of political affiliations and stuff. I'm specifically meaning like our behavior, our attitude towards ourselves. The idea of that every human being is capable of improvement. That includes myself. Every human being is able to contribute somehow to the world. And I'm not talking necessarily monetarily. I'm talking just somehow being part of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, even we've had this conversation a million mm-hmm. times on the podcast, this idea of, hey, you smiling to your bus driver and, and genuinely saying thank you and meaning it. So that genuine nature, hey, that's that's a thing. That's um, That's something that you're contributing to the world. You're putting something out there in, in a way. I think those kind of things, actually caring about, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily egotistical to worry about, hey, how am I, like, am I coming across as, as arrogant? I think it's being aware that there is a dan- that danger of being perceived that way and that you don't want to give the impression that you feel you know more or you are better or you, well, don't, wait, that fault, you don't want to give the impression to others that you think that you're superior when you're like, I, I really don't. I just think I'm... Human. But but here here's a funny thing as well. Maybe it's an irony, in that it's often considered um, a feature of arrogance to mm-hmm. not care about other people. Yeah. To kind of make your way in the world without. Yeah. Caring what other people think. Yet. Yes. From the other side, from my side, it actually maybe what you're talking about moderation balance. That's the key. But it feels like it's actually probably healthy to be able to live your life and not really care about how you're perceived by other people. I think there's that, maybe that's detachment. So there's a detachment from relying on the comparison to others or relying on, I guess, to learn to value yourself enough to not, and it doesn't mean that you don't value what others say and think. You do, you value it, but that you don't necessarily pin every single aspect of your existence on the perception and the judgment of others. And well, I think and that's the that's the difference between arrogance and moderation and moderate kind of confidence is that you're confident enough to try and be yourself and to recognize that there's always space for improvement and things to work on and all that. And to be aware that you also have an impact on others, but then not to fixate on how others perceive you. Like if you fixate only on that, mm, mm. that's the other, that's another form of arrogance because why do you think you're such a big deal that people actually pay attention True. to everything you do? <laughs> actually, that is a very arrogant thing. Like the, um, if you've ever been out in public, this happened a lot in my twenties where I'd be talking about something in public to one of my friends. And I'd kind of in the back of my mind be worried about other people listening in on a conversation. Mm. And that's a very arrogant thing. Because you're just sitting there, unless unless you're really focusing on someone, everyone around you is talking. And how often do you actually hear what anyone else is saying? Yeah. Almost never. Yeah. Uh, so it's that idea that you care so much or you think so highly of yourself. Maybe it's just that ego, like we default to that worry, like, oh, everyone's listening to me. That's like, yeah. no, maybe one person might be, maybe. But but yeah. the, the, the sad fact is, you're just one person and other people have their own lives and their own worries. So. Yeah. I think maybe there needs to be a certain level of self-awareness in terms of that you are aware of your conversation and if your conversation is suitable necessarily for the surroundings that you're in. Oh, like if, the, there's, there's yeah. that part too. But, but yeah. just, just the idea that, you know, that, that, that disconnect between worrying so much yeah. about being eavesdropped on. But then when you, when you look at it from the other side, how often do you actually 
hear anyone else's conversation out in public. Um, But I did want to say when you talk about other people caring about the sorry, caring about what other people say, I think it's also who's saying it. Like Mm. if if Rue was to, you know, hey, Dave, something you said on the last podcast, the way you did this, I, I think maybe you need to work on that. I would probably pay, uh, I would give it uh, a high priority. I, I would take it on board because I really respect Rue. She's a good friend. So what she has to say, I'm going to listen to. Meanwhile, if some person I've never met or heard before a- asks me on Twitter with like a criticism of either my YouTube channel or what something I've done in the podcast, like it might hurt because negative criticism always kinds of at least for me it still stings. But if if I if I'm able to kind of step outside myself, I can go, Well, who's this person? Yeah. I don't like, know them. Why should yeah. I listen to anything they have to say? Yeah, it's 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 kind of treading that fine line of when you have external input, it allows you to engage in reflection, which is good. Reflection is good reviewing, reflecting, is everything aligned with what I'm trying to actually do? Are my values in place? Is it like you, that kind of thing? Cool. But if it's just a case of every time anyone gives feedback that that's going to determine the direction of your ship, basically your ship of life Mm -hmm. or your actions, then you're never going to get anywhere because everyone has different opinions and insights and and feelings and stuff. So it's, 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 uh, yeah. Like I, when we share things here, we're not expecting that all, everyone's going to agree with everything that we both say. We we sometimes don't agree on the things that we like with each other and that's okay. But, but, you know, maybe it's uh, hypocritical, but I also just want to say it's funny because it just entered my mind. You know, I said, why should I care about if someone I don't know says something negative about our podcast? Yet it just got me thinking, oh, but, you know, when we get emails or Twitter messages from people out there who, who have nice things to say, it then feels so to- good. And I guess there is a bit of hypocrisy there if, you know, oh, you should ignore the negative. But but should we take on the good? I, I, I. It's, it's got a little bit of, it's got a bit of the positive vibes only. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no, no, like I, I will read the feedback even when it is, you know, maybe less than complimentary is how I'm going to phrase it. Um, like if there's something, we've had a few, just, yeah, we've had not many, there's not been that many. We're not like, you know, we're not a huge podcast, but mm-hmm. um, the, the, there's been a handful, some of which reasonable. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Um, and then other times where it's like, look, you know, you're just you're basically t- telling us to change our entire format. <laughs> That's not the point of like literally in the description of the podcast, it tells you what, what's, hap- what's going to happen. You know what would be you're... great if you could be something different. <laughs> it's like, okay. That's nice. Go do your own podcast. Like, yeah, <laughs> why? Yeah. But yeah, so there's things like that that would happen. And, and uh, that's where you go, okay, is this a reasonable kind of feedback? Mm, maybe not. Even when it's packaged in a less than um, pleasant delivery mm-hmm. system. And, and we had one that was particularly just like not very, very uh, nicely framed. I'm going to say it that way. But basically, I took it on board and went, oh, yeah, cool. I get, I understand why they would see that. But then I also would go, I went to Dave, I'm like, do you think that like there's something going on there that that's, you know, that I should be worrying about kind of thing? And Dave's like, no, no, that's not, don't worry about it. Well, well, Rue is always so much kinder to the negative feedback we get than I would be. (laughs) Whereas, you know, she, she's shown me some stuff and I'm, I'm like, 
F that guy. <laughs> and then and then she responds. And it's it's actually a very well thought out and kind of a, a snide little barb as well. She Rue's very good at, at couching um, a kind of a whammy inside something that sounds polite. Well, it's it, it is genuine in the sense of, look, I don't want to hurt your feelings here and I don't want to insult you. But then at the same time, did you read the description of the podcast that literally tells you what, what the format is and why it is that way? You know, uh, just, uh, speaking of format, I, I yes. think we should probably just quickly go into what this is going to be before we spend another 20 minutes talking. <laughs> yeah, there's that. We kind of want um, yeah. so, so our plan for this episode, it's we're, we're uh, planning to have it be the length of a normal episode, although it may run a little... Uh, longer because it is a bonus spectacular. But uh, we'll we'll see how we go. Um, The plan is we'll start off by talking a little about the year of the podcast. Kind of, uh, we've we've gotten some book suggestions from listeners and I've I've started reading some of them. So it might be fun to just actually list those on the podcast. And so in case you're looking for something new to read, you can do that. And that also because uh, Rue talked about how, even though we're not quite done with it yet, Cat's Cradle might be one of her favorite books of the year. And I feel quite the same about another book. So we'll talk about that. Then hopefully that will segue very smoothly into a discussion of some of the best books we've read this year that we did not cover on our last book chat. And finally, okay. maybe some uh, reading plans for 2023. We both got lists of books we want to read, so maybe it might be fun in talking about some of those. You know, um, I'm sure there are some of my lists that Ruse actually read, and maybe vice versa. And sh- maybe you know, maybe there'll be a bit of a, oh yeah, you got to read that. Oh, that'd be so good to hear your opinion on that. Uh, so uh, to start off with, maybe yeah, Ruse, just talk a little about. I mean, you know, since this is going out before. Our listeners will be able to hear our reading and discussion yeah. of Ket's Cradle. Uh, maybe just talk a little about why the book's hitting you in such a positive way so far. I mean, well, first, uh, I mean, firstly, it isn't blatantly; it's not overtly and blatantly dystopian. So there's a there's a plus. <laughs> Sorry, it is my Dave snort his water. Excellent skill, excellent. Uh, look, yes, uh, that that that's probably a big bonus. Um, but also, there's this. Uh, I, I've really enjoyed the. There's a subtle humor, and sometimes less than subtle. But there's there's a humor to it that I can kind of connect. It's there's some beautiful intricate connection and interconnect. Like, it's really well well crafted. Much like the title suggests, Cat's Cradle. It's it's very interesting because that's pretty much what it's reminding me of like patterns and patterns and connections and connections and I really enjoy I mean part of it is also because I, I enjoy I'm a, I do research medical research so for me patterns and connections right. will always be of interest and the same because of my passions in sociology and and uh, education same thing patterns connections how, how people tie to connect together and relate to each other and affect each other uh, how events and people connect so that's fascinating like the way and it's delivered in a way that's not it's not extremely dense so it's a nice kind of gentle almost read i don't it's not it's not i mean there are moments that are that are not gentle and there are dark moments don't get me wrong but it's it's mostly something that is thought provoking that's the thing it's thought provoking but it's also humorous and it's also kind of it's fascinating like i want to know how it continues i want to know how this will 
progress and that's something in a book that will always we've talked about this before mm. is if a book wants you to find out what happens yeah what's next what's next that's that's satisfying to me as a, as a book so that's why i've really enjoyed it and that's a promotion for um the upcoming season of uh so many books so little time well yeah yeah i mean uh, i don't know if the majority of our listeners like to read the books before they start to listen to uh, yeah. us cover a book or if they like to just listen alongside but you know just quickly talking about how much you're enjoying the book right now which our listeners might enjoy because I wouldn't say enjoyment has been uh, a large emotion that you've had with my previous picks <laughs> uh, look they've been intriguing but they're hard like they're hard for me because mm. of just the, and we've talked about this I tend to um, when I'm reading things that are really heavy it tends to be quote unquote real life stuff. Mm. I I read far too much medical literature, which is not making it, it. We're not going to be talking about that, but so much out there and and medical ethics and and things like that. So it's it's um, uh, it can be a little bit intense at times, and so I think that that's that's always been why it's been challenging to. Although it, as we had with uh, Brave New World. It stimulated discussion around kind of medical ethics and, and, and literature mm. that was related to that. And, and with 1984, that was related. It, we related, had conversations about education and about individual and collective impact, I guess, on, on society and the world, etc. So it's, it's been interesting from, I'd say Cat's Cradle has been, I guess, an e not easier read, but it's been less, because it's less overtly I want to say doom and gloom <laughs> mm. or far less dark cloud hanging over the entire thing, less bleak kind of situation. I mean, there's, there's moments, there's a lot of portents and, and foreshadowing <laughs> and things that are going on. And, and I know things like I've got a, the vibe is very clearly something's going to go very wrong, very badly. Um, no, no. What gives you that not approach? At all. Not at all. Um, but, but at the same time, it's delivered in a, in a way that hasn't been, I guess it's been easier to, it sounds terrible. It's been easier to digest, so to speak, in terms mm. of, because there's that, there's that almost gentle commentary and, and, stimulation of like oh yeah that's actually something like it makes you really think so it's a challenging book in the sense that it really makes you reflect on things and ponder on things like motivation and purpose and, and so it's been very good um now um I, yeah yeah no it's good so far so far so good <laughs> well i mean the problem with that is whether or not the, the book is going to stick the landing. That's always been one of my chief concerns with everything is, you know, a story isn't a story until it's over. And, you know, the great stories have great endings, but, you know, so many don't either make it to the finish line in one piece or they kind of flop over it. You know, mm -hmm. there, there's just, I'm sure you're the same. I've read so, read, watched, played so many stories that just kind of fizzle out or don't have a satisfying yeah. conclusion and it kind of it kind of um mars the whole experience like it can be great but if if the story doesn't stick landing then then you kind of you know it, the, the cliche is it's not the destination it's the journey but if the destination is terrible it could really mar your mem mm. your fond memories of the journey i think 
the in the aspect that I'm finding with with um, Cat's Cradle is that he's been. I mean, this is something for the when we read Cat's Cradle, but his tone doesn't like it. I I have I have I guess I have trust in the author. That that that's always a good thing if you do. Um, yeah. Well, because what I, I wanted to use the, the my talk about endings right there to seg into, I'm kind of in a similar boat right now. Yeah. I'm uh, just a little past halfway reading The Count of Monte Cristo for yeah. the first time. Yeah. And at the moment, you know, just a little over halfway, it's probably one of the best books I've ever read. Like, yeah. it's fantastic. I'm really enjoying it. But I do have that voice in the back of my head as I go along. It's like, yeah, but... Is this going to pay off? I have, I because the book's been so good. I do have trust, but but I think it's not just is it going to pay off? Because I think there's also a voice in my head that says, "Well, this is regarded as a classic." You know, it's it it's like our 1984s and and our Christmas carols and you know the books that are remembered. It wouldn't have persisted for over a hundred years if uh, you know if the ending was completely horrible. I don't think we would still be remembering the book. Although, you know, maybe there's other reasons. So, yeah. so I do have some trust that the ending is going to be satisfying. I guess for me, it's like, <laughs> I, I, I wonder if it's going to be a good ending or not for the main character, <laughs> because, <laughs> because it's such an interesting story where the main character is so hard done by for no real reason, you know, like fate and, and the machinations of other people, their cruelty just sent him to like the worst possible outcome. And he gets out of that and he gains fame and, well, he gains fortune um, and he's able to kind of become something, you know, mm. through a chance encounter. But now, now, you know, we're, we're decades after kind of the, the impetus of the story where he's slowly, he, he, he's had his tendrils put through like the whole world now. And it seems like he's slowly been moving pieces around so he can take revenge on those that have wronged him. Hmm. And just who he is right now as this character is definitely not the character we, I felt sympathy for back at the start of the book. So yeah. I guess where I am right now, I'm like, is he going to fully get his revenge? Will it be one of those bittersweet, you know, like yeah. will it be a Shakespeare tragedy where everyone dies at the end? Um, is he no. even the same oh. person? And will I not will I not be happy that he gets his revenge? And then, you know, like there's all these different mm. ways it can go. And I guess that's the excitement right now is that I hope that he he keeps his humanity, even though at this point in the story he doesn't seem to really have much of it. But, but yeah, it, 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 it's just, I guess also that I'm having all these questions and theories and really, it, it, I think it's a mark of a good story as well, where even if it turns out to be a tragedy, you don't want things to go that way because you really aren't invested in the character and you, you want yeah. them to kind of rise above <laughs> everything. And it's, a, it's an interesting, like, it's a re there's a reason my uh, the grandfather that I didn't get to know really, that that was how he taught himself German. I think I might have mentioned this. He got a copy of the book in uh, English and German and had a dictionary mm. and taught himself German that way because <laughs> it was one of his favorite books in English. And so, he, and he learned English. Uh, I, I, I'm not quite. I know it's one of the books he used also to, to help him learn English. 
from Farsi. And the I know that base, based on that and also having read it, I think it's a book that makes you question... I mean, firstly, it makes you really examine what drives your sense of justice as well and how you mm. perceive justice. And, like, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, it's good in the sense that how you how the ending moves you will depend on also where you're at as a person i think and that's i think that's that's how i would frame it Mm. um because you know that's uh i mean it's a good it's a good thing that we we actually when we're reading a book how we it's a little bit like you know when people say oh but that's not how i would have done the movie or that's not how i would have ended the story or is it yeah because Mm. the way we, we project our values and our assumptions and also how we get almost i don't want to say trained but we start to expect certain outcomes yes yes there is um there's that thing in film where um especially over i'd say the past 30 40 years where it's increasingly rare for a film to have a downer ending or a you know to 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 have a tragic or sad ending yeah, yeah. Um, just because the idea of uh, sending an audience home happy. Yes, yes. Whereas um, I always, I mean, I'm probably butchering the idea, but the, you know, the idea of catharsis, how um, apparently when the Greeks, the ancient Greeks had their theater, they would have different types of plays for different types of years. And there was a period of the year where they would have tragedies. So people could kind of unleash their anger and sadness you know, at, at the these yeah. these stories that were completely unfair to the people in them. You know, I, I, I think a lot of how Shakespeare's most famous plays are all tragedies. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The the it's it's because it leaves us. It's a yeah. It's it's venting our whatever's we're carrying or whatever load that we're trying to process. <laughs> this is funny. Stories is therapy. Which well, we know is actually really a thing. It is. It is a thing. I mean, we know that's a thing. There's a there's a concept of uh, that, not that you can. There's actually a thing called narrative therapy. But uh, good luck finding clinicians that do it. It's really. It's a. At least in Australia, it's really rare to find a good narrative um, psychologist hmm. uh, or therapist. So it's it's interesting to know that that's actually a thing. But um, but, but, but yeah. we, we we've talked before about. Um, I think it was either at the start of Anna Green Gables or Northanger Abbey. I, yeah. I was reading a book on um, uh, how to craft a story, and they yeah. talked about uh, it was like you know um, ancient humans around a campfire in the in the in the plains telling the story about how to kill the tiger, the the hero that slayed the tiger, and yeah. you know the day the tiger came because the the young boy who suddenly was in the tiger sights had heard that story so many times he knew what to do instinctively yeah. and he managed to kill the tiger and survive and then he became a hero in the village kind of the this idea is, that stories prepare you for life this is and this is a thing that they've known this is something that that when you really uh, dig down to it culture has always had been influenced by stories and culture mm-hmm. always will influence the stories that are preserved and uh it's affected also by like say what is uh, i don't want to say in vogue but that will affect yeah, yeah, the popularity yeah. of uh, or the recognition or the sharing of certain stories and i think Whoa. that that's uh, a thing that we yeah I, I think the the most 
I don't want to say the most rebellious. I think the, the most valuable thing that I feel you can do in your life in terms of enriching enrichment and in terms of we've talked about you know books as empathy machines books as giving you perspectives on other points of view and all that but they're also an opportunity to really i guess examine what the trends and attitudes were at the time as well what were the popular mm. attitudes at the time how these are reflected or, or even some books that are mocking the popular attitudes i mean uh, uh Jane Austen is a great example of someone who was essentially, if you read it properly, you can hear that she is making some significant commentary on the, the mentalities and the attitudes at the time and, or, and or, that kind um, of thing. Like uh, my mind instantly went to Machiavelli's The Prince yeah. where, you know, uh, the, the sad thing about that book is so many people have taken it face value on this is how to be an effective ruler. But <laughs> Machiavelli was, well, he was mocking uh, yeah. the, the whole book is complete satire. He's and like, you know, yeah. only a monster would actually do these things. And that's the kind of the, the interesting thing is that we don't, uh, depending on what we value as, as, and I'm not talking in terms of values, I'm like, if you value power, money, control, and if that becomes the number one priority in life, then of course, how you read Machiavelli's prints. Well, not just that. Um, uh, my friend Kenneth and I, we, we, we've talked about this many times. I'll, I'll use an older example and then I'll go to more modern examples. Well, I say older, but it's not. It's only about like 30 years old. But um, uh, Gordon Gecko in the movie Wall Street, he's the evil money-hungry antagonist. He inspired a generation of business people. There are folks that think Walter White in Breaking Bad is someone to be... Emulating. <laughs> yes, emulate. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, same yeah. thing actually talked about Wall Street. The Wolf of Wall Street, the character that Leo plays in that movie, uh, Jordan Belford, I think his name is. He's mm. seen as the good guy by so many people. Mm. And you watch that movie, it's like, you really have to be approaching life in a very different perspective to see him as the good guy. But but I yeah. think it also played my, my argument when talking about Ken to Kenneth about these things is I think it's kind of a failure of so many of us or they don't teach it or we don't understand media literacy. So mm -hmm. they're seeing, I think people have a default where the protagonist of a story cannot be a bad guy because we're following them, um. which is, which is, you know, completely uh, ridiculous, but I can see how people might uh, get confused if they haven't kind of, you know, uh, I don't want to say been taught because maybe it's also a failure of teaching morals and values because mm -hmm. I know you, you, you know, you just have to watch Breaking Bad and you're like, even in season one, Walt is a monster. <laughs> I think it's really um, challenging because, again, what is and isn't considered bad will depend on how you perceive the value of life. And then... And, and of other people we're going to focus mm -hmm. on a full circle so how you how you relate to other people how you relate to who you are as a person the extent of and, and i want to use this word carefully the entitlement we feel as individuals mm -hmm. is, is a big one as well the concepts that we have prioritized in our educational settings like heavy fixation on stem but then not actually considering the ethic i can't yeah, 
I think mm. it's going to come up at some stage of the podcast. I, I can't remember if we recorded it, but yeah, there was a thing that I'm still hoping is, um, it was hoping it was a joke. But oh, you, idea, you, um, I yeah. think it actually was uh, the last episode we recorded. You talked about that. Yeah, so there's, there's because I'm I'm editing these yes, the last yeah, two episodes yeah, yeah. at the moment, so yeah, yeah. Okay, it's yeah. fresh so in my don't mind. Worry about it. But yeah, so, but yeah, so, yeah, but you see things like people, um, you know, questioning ethical frameworks, and I think that's that's actually important. We do need mm-hmm. to question uh, what's determined whether something is or isn't ethical, and and all sorts of things. It's it's really. Um, an opportunity. That's why I'm saying when you read widely and, and I mean, you can be selective and you can choose not to read a certain book because you know, it's not like it's, it's very much the antithesis of every value that you hold dear. Actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've got an example of one of those. Um, and I think one of these days I still need to check it out because I just want to see, um, I've never read any Ayn Rand. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I, mainly I because everything I've ever heard about, you know, her values is abhorrent to me. And plus, I've heard she's not that good an author. But The Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged are very kind of important books of the 20th century. They really have people have based their entire ethical frameworks on those books. Mm-hmm. So I think. At some point, I probably owe it to myself to at least attempt to one of those books and just see what it is yeah. even though yeah i i really don't want to but yeah. one day i might have to <laughs> yeah well people listening to the upcoming season will hear me mention i think a handful of times i'll mention the a course that I've, I've been doing at the same mm-hmm. time and that contained things uh points of view that were they were points of view of the time mm. and they are the points of view that have influenced frameworks of how certain things are approached. I'm not going mm. into the details of it because you'll hear more yeah. about it in the podcast. But yeah, so it's, it's quite uncomfortable and quite confronting to read some of the really overt, like, contra. I can't even say contrasting. Like, it's, it's the exact opposite of how I would value humans, basically. Yeah, how, yeah. how humans are considered and depending on their, their race or gender or economic status or geographical situation so basically mm. it's, it's just a, it's really hard to read that kind of material yeah um but sometimes in the context of if you're trying to learn about historically not in terms of learning about so that you can emulate but learn about so you can identify okay so why what was informing these mentalities how where was it coming from why mm. do people think that they're actually being unbiased when in fact the whole framework that they are founded on is like it's founded on overt very explicit and very obvious bias so mm. it's, it was it's very uh, it was very interesting to do that very difficult to do that but the same way that um like i'll, I'll going back to the books that we've read this this year i mean I, i'm not going to go into all the as mentioned the medical literature and stuff that i've read because that's just part of my life and that's going to be my life for the next for the foreseeable future, I'm writing a thesis next year, so there'll be a lot more reading happening of the nonfiction type. But yeah, the the whole fact that I'll I'll read articles and I might a hundred percent disagree with the authors in terms of I know that the ethical framework I didn't like the way they've done the experiment or there's the way they have I've seen them interact with patients or like all these things. Mm. So there might be reasons why I have reservations about certain authors. 
of, of articles. But I have to step away from that, read the article at face value, mm. be like, look at the data and how it's presented and how it was done and be like, be fair and not go in there with the assumptions that like just to, to basically have a bit of, um, it sounds weird, but I have to, as a researcher, you have to have good faith that the person who was producing it genuinely is trying to contribute to a, a bigger picture, a bigger nar- narrative. They, they is, believed in what they wrote. They believed in what they wrote. And also you approach it with this idea of this is a colleague and they will, as a peer, we will work together to actually figure out what's going on. They're contributing what they've seen, their observations, their understandings. I now to look at that and the frame and, and that of others and reframe that in how it works with what I've seen. And if it matches or doesn't match, or if I'm noticing gaps or if there's things, then I can engage in dialogue with them and good faith that it's not because of any other reason other than trying to get at uh, the quote unquote truth, or at least get closer to what is actually going on to, Mm. you know, reveal more about this phenomenon that we're trying to examine, right? But we know the reality is not like that. We know the reality, there's politics, there's funding, there's, it's, it's messy. It's a messy, messy world. But whilst I'm reading the actual thing, I have to switch into that mode of, no, we actually all, the the whole point is this. I've got to project almost the values of the ideal scenario so that I can actually get through the paper and figure out what's going on. You've got to fight the instinct to switch off. Yep. And it's hard. And it's really hard um, sometimes. And and, Hmm. uh, especially when you read something and you're just wanting to, throw something across the room. Um, oh, um, but, sp- yeah. kind, kind of piggybacking off that. Yeah. Uh, this year, I've gotten much better. I might have brought this up before, but um, I think I've finally become acquired the skill to put down a book that I'm not vibing with. Yeah. So not, not forcing myself through the whole thing if mm-hmm. I'm not really getting anything from it. Yeah, and that's that's been I've done that with a few books, although not not if you looked at my Kindle. Um. <laughs> well, hey, that's a good segue. Let, let's do that, Rue. Uh, maybe I'm putting you on the spot. If so, I I, I can kickstart this off. But uh, tell tell us about something you've read this year that you really love. Well, or, or that's or that 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 you found interesting enough to talk about. Because I must admit, yeah. a lot of my list, I wouldn't say I love, but there are some books that are like, yeah, that's worth a discussion. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I might have, and I know I've mentioned some already in our previous bonus episode, because they, and, and I've continued to read um, one of the series that I think I mentioned on the episode, which was um, where the author is almost doing, a, there's, a, there's almost a, a level of a recovery from PTSD level of, writing like so there's a therapeutic nature to their writing i've mentioned that one before but i continued that series and it continues to deliver so that's been pretty good and i'm trying to remember what the author's name was we had some where is the author's name sorry i've been reading too many other books in between <laughs> um so like there it is Haley edwards i will say i i do she's not going to be everyone's cup of tea and that's fine but I, I i would say she's got a good there's a good vibe with um how she some of her books have been really good particularly the i think it's the I'm going to get you the name because it's the specific series because she does a few and some of them are just really not everyone's coming. Black Hat Bureau. 
is that oh, one that yes, which I have I, mentioned a little bit about. Think um, you, I think you did not bring it up on the book chat, but I think during a previous season, uh, yeah, you talked a bit up. about it. I, I will say it's it continues to like I'm, I'm waiting for there to be like a disruption or their problems. She, her tone hasn't really changed too much, but it, it's evolved with the character, which is really hmm. a good skill. There's been that one. There's been my weird ups. Was it? I'm trying to find the other one that's not quite as thing. I've been reading books. Uh, as said, Cat's Cradle really has been making an impact overall. Uh, when we reread Wrinkle in Time, that's always going to be in my top oh. books because I really loved it. Yeah. Let, let me mention that because that was my first time encountering a Wrinkle in Time. And yeah, yeah. I mean, if you go back and listen to the the podcast, you'll find that I was pretty dialed in and switched on for most of our discussion with that, uh, especially, I'd say, more the early stuff before they went off on their fantastical adventure. Just the idea of um, Charles Wallace and kind of the, the way, man, I forgot the name of the main character. Meg. Meg and Charles and then the other kid. Calvin. Uh, Calvin, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah sorry, it's, it's, it's been so a while. Good. But But kind of... How how especially Meg and Charles were brought up, taught by their parents, the mm. kind of their framework for education and also how uh, their particular um, passions and interests were encouraged. Mm. So, you know, both Charles and Meg have very different uh, strengths in terms of uh, where their intellect is pointed. And, and I guess part of the book was also them kind of trying to overcome some of their deficiencies yes yes like i find the idea with the the three witches i'll call them and and, and the way the way a universe works really fascinating so much so that i really do want to read the other three books in my own time i have not gotten around to it yet mm. but i think that is definitely something i should put on the docket for 2023 yeah 2023 is going to be like i said writing a thesis so Oof. Um, this year, uh, I know on Kindle, I had a, a goal of uh, 200 to read 200 books. I, I, I met and exceeded that goal. But um, also, obviously, this was just on Kindle, not including the books that you read outside of uh, Kindle. But that being said, like this year, um, there's I want to read some of the books that were suggested by our listeners. Um, one of which that is on my my list is uh, the Red Rising series by oh. Pierce Brown, for example. Yeah, I, I uh, based on the suggestion that we got, I read the first book of that because now it's quite a long series. Um, I think there's four or five now, and I don't think it's finished. I can't remember if I brought it up on the podcast or not. Uh, the book initially actually rubbed me the wrong way because um, there's quite an egregious fridging taking place. The, right. the idea that to motivate a male character, uh, you do something heinous to his, his partner. And what made it even more egregious is that she chooses to fridge herself, basically, to motivate him into action. Oh um, but... Once once that's kind of over and we get into the main thrust of the story, which is the main character joining this elite academy, we're like, uh, yeah, it's like on Mars and he's part of a mining colony that are basically treated as slaves mm -hmm. uh, by the rich 1% who live on the surface and 
all that. And he, he goes on, he undergoes like genetic modification to be and, and, and education to become a one percenter and to be able to infiltrate one of their universities and maybe go into their military or their, uh, their government and be able to kind of take the whole thing down from within. Now the military is completely screwed up with how they train their cadets. But from that point on, the instant he, he went into the Academy, the book really took off. I, I was, I was like up to three in the morning finishing it one, one uh, evening. It was one of those, you know, you know, when you, when you should go to bed, but you just, you're actually really tired. You can feel your eyelids and you're like, no, no, I'm just going to keep reading. <laughs> <laughs> one more chapter, one more chapter. So, so um, the instant the book was over, I bought the second one immediately. I have not read it yet. It'll probably be, I think after Count of Monte Cristo, I'll want something a little more lighthearted. So I might read another Discworld or something like that. But then I'm definitely going to continue the series myself. I, I, I would actually highly recommend it to you, Rue, because yes. I would like to hear your thoughts on the book and maybe maybe if you do read it then in a future book chat uh, we can talk yeah, about it chat. yeah and um, yeah i i will just i guess go through some of the other uh recommendations that our listeners have given that i definitely want to get to myself um a lot of these are modern books so uh we we, we told our lovely listeners uh when they suggested them that you know due to copyright issues we try and we, we try we, we have a few rules with authors that aren't entirely legal I would say but you know that they they, they, um, they keep my conscience clear when it comes to all but this kind all, of stuff they're also they're, they're not illegal per se but they're also I mean it's it's a gray zone and and yeah. hopefully um, publishers are not going to see what we're doing as any way detrimental or benefiting from uh, the, the property uh, they well, should and, be because and, and this not, is not, not monetized yeah. <laughs> And, and not to get into a whole rant, but current copyright law is just the yeah. worst thing ever. It, 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 it's awful. It needs, it needs to be, like, demolished. But so, yeah, we've, we've got a book called Child of Eden, uh, mm-hmm. another book called The Memory Police. Uh, yes, one listener recommended a, a series of, I believe, their plays by a, a playwright called Alan Ackborn. So I've got uh, three of those they suggested that... Um, the last time I read any plays that weren't Shakespeare, because I did read a bit of Shakespeare this year, um, mm. was when I read the plays of Chekhov. And maybe that was really early on, like 1984 or Anna Green Gables. I talked about how um, there's five plays in my collection of Chekhov plays, and all five of them are dubbed comedies. So kind of in the classic sense where a comedy is just a play that has a happy ending. But in more than one of the play, the happy ending is the main character committing suicide. Yeah, something is up with Chekhov, and I'm not well enough versed in anything to do with him to be able to comment on it. But it's well, a little, little, yeah. Mm. Kind of the stereotypical joke is, ah, Russia. <laughs> There's that. Uh, Release from life. Good times. <laughs> Yeah, let's not think about that one too hard. But, um, yeah, and, and then, yeah. and then, actually, we we got a recommendation just the other day uh, about uh, yes. the, the mysterious island by Jules Verne, which I'm excited to look into. Uh, maybe we'll cover it on the podcast. I don't know, but I've actually never read a Jules Verne novel, so it's like, what, what a perfect opportunity! That is that is true. I'd like I I can't remember. It's been too long since I've read 
just went but yeah so that would be one that would be interesting I would really appreciated um I'm like must say really appreciate the suggestions like they're they're mm. fantastic they help us actually go oh let's let's look into this and yes the copyright issue is is part of the dilemma um another thing that's been happening is we were getting requests for interviews with authors and and we look um we've raised this before i don't know if we've mentioned on the recording of the podcast but at this point in time that's not the direction that we go we're going mm. um that's not not in the format of the podcast and uh, it doesn't mean that like, like we are looking at some of the books and and uh, the suggestions that have been made Oh, oh, uh, by the uh, publishers, and we're really—I fl- mean, flattered that someone would think that we <laughs> we are able to interview an author. Like, ooh, okay. And, and look, we we treat every suggestion seriously. I, I might yeah. actually just mention uh, we've got a listener named who maybe a year or two ago recommended. Rue, you wrote down the book before the podcast because I knew I'd forget it. What what was the name of the book um, she recommended? Their eyes were watching God by Zola Neale Hurston. So. I decided to start reading the book, A, to see if it was appropriate for the podcast, and B, just to see if it might be something I want to read. And sadly, at least for me, the book kind of failed on both accounts. It, uh, I didn't think it was appropriate for what we do. And yeah, it was just the, the, um, the voice of the main character was something I had uh, difficulty aligning with. Mm-hmm. So, so so I finished the first chapter. And I'm like, yeah. So, I, I mean, we we appreciate the suggestion, and please give us more if you have them. But yeah, yes, you know, not sure. every suggestion is going to um, pass. But I, I just wanted to mention that just to say that we take them all seriously. Absolutely. We we we, yeah. we, we don't yeah. just go. Eh, we're never gonna even look at that. No, like we we got sent uh, one of them. We were sent a digital copy of the uh, of the book that the publisher was uh, referring to, and. I found the book really fascinating. Like it's a, it's a, it was a, a good re- the reason I'm not mentioning the name is simply because if we're saying we're not going to promote a book, then I feel like ah, it's yeah, yeah, wrong to promote the book. But yeah, no, it, it's, I need to finish because I, it was in the middle <laughs> of my, about, uh, I was marking students. So just, you know, the, so reading it, I did find it was really interesting. It was a biography though. So that's another reason I was a little, uh, that's another reason I'm a bit hesitant to, to talk about it on the podcast right now. And it was like, it's, it's a good read. It's interesting. It's, it's, it's relevant. And, and all the suggestions that have been made by publishers as well as listeners have generally been really well aligned with like the kind of books we'd be interested in reading or books that, that would be good to read, like that fit, that are, that we're, you know, not that we're um, super snobby about books. It's just about whether we vibe with it and then well, we, whether it's appropriate for the podcast. Yeah. Like, like um, also, you know, along with these suggestions, we've just loved uh, the kind words you've written about oh, yeah. liking uh, what we do. Uh, actually, the, the, the guy that uh, recommended Jules Verne, I think his name was just a lovely he he hasn't really listened to much yet but he said he looked at the books we covered and felt they just completely aligned with the type of books he likes and it's like that that that's great it's um you know it, it, i i guess it means we're not just picking these out of uh, out of air you know no. not yet. <laughs> we, we, we've, we've got a, we've got um, a certain uh i'm trying to think of the right word i guess we got a style maybe that's the best way to put it I think it's more maybe that the books we've so far selected 
have been ones that th- th- I mean they're definitely not they're all not the same theme that's that's for sure mm-hmm. but, but <laughs> mind kind of tend to uh, link in horrifying ways but <laughs> in, in a way but, but like they're all we've, we I will say that the books that we've been going through all of them are examining facets of humanity like be it the, the, the challenges be it the adversities be it the strengths you know it's 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 they're exploring uh, I guess I guess how humanity navigates all these different things and I mean they're just little little snippets and little perspectives of it because it's not mm-hmm. obviously a small story is not going to represent every single aspect of humanity but like it even just kind of as far as books go that's what they've been doing I mean I'd love to do Terry like that we do, if we do Terry Pratchett I'd love to do Terry Pratchett because that's another that's a whole nother way of examining humanity but his books tend to be a little bit I can't remember if they 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 exceed our our approximate page limit and also um yeah, yeah. according to the way like we have a couple uh what what's the right word barriers to entry and actually in 2023 uh we could do the color of magic but you know that's one of his least exciting books I don't know I I enjoy his style. I know you have a preference for your... Uh, well, yes. I reread it in 2020 because I've been going back through them chronologically. Yeah. It's still great. But, you know, there's this thing among Discworld fans. We're very snotty with the color of magic. When people are getting into Discworld, mostly we recommend you do not start with the color of magic, which is his first book. Because yeah. the first three books are kind of... They're kind of almost experiments. A lot of the, a lot of the ways in which she's shaping the Discworld get changed later on. Uh, certain like Granny Weatherwax in the third book, uh, Equal Rights, which is a great book, is very different to what the character would be the next time she appears. And I think um, I actually like that about his books, just as a side, because I think that's more reflective of how people are. That you know. Things happen. Depending on the setting, people will change. Depending on their experience, people will change, and that's not a bad thing. I think it's a, it's actually probably a. Um, well, well it, it, it's less about people changing. It was just that he was, kind, you know, he's making things up as he goes along. I think it took him a while to settle into a groove of kind of okay. This is what Discworld is. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that makes sense too. But like yeah, one of yeah. one of my favorite Discworld books, actually, it's the one I recommend most people start with, is the fourth book. Mort, because um, it, it's funny. The, so the first book, The Color of Magic, he wrote that in 1983, I believe. And it was kind of, um, he was so kind of tired of the tropes of fantasy novels at the time that The Color of Magic is kind of a takedown of it. But I find Mort to be an even funnier takedown because, um, so one of my favorite fantasy novels is Magician by um, uh, Raymond E. Feist. Feist, sorry. I don't um, know why I call him Faust. He didn't make a deal with the devil. Um, yeah. uh, like, like, you know, I've tried reading other Crondor books and they're pretty good, but I just, I've reread Magician many times. Mm-hmm. It, it's wonderful. But Magician kind of follows the trope of many fantasy novels in the 80s where the main character is an apprentice who doesn't have much power, and then suddenly they come into it, and, you know, it's that um, kind of the adventure gets kicked off. So uh, Morse starts off with an apprentice. No one wants to pick him in the village. And then Death shows up and takes him to be his apprentice. 
So it's Which kind of the first, death is a main character in the Discworld series. It's almost in every book, I think. And uh, he's an interesting character because he has a fascination with humanity, even though he's kind of completely separate to it. Mm-hmm. So much so that he has a daughter. And, and that's where yeah. Mort gets into trouble because, you know, the, yeah. the daughter and him start having feelings for one another. And uh, <laughs> death does not take kindly to that. Yeah. But, but, um, but then it leads into um, future death books. And then there's a character, Susan, who appears later on that is a fan favorite. Uh, our friend Lisa loves Susan. And yeah, I Susan's think the death, great. The death books by, um, are probably yeah, some of the, the ones that are some of my absolute favorite. favorite I, I re- reread uh, Reaper Man this year. And mm. for most of it, it's like just a fun read. But the end of the book is just so beautiful. Uh, that it really, it really like, uh, yeah, that, 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 that's something special. Uh, death basically gets fired by the, uh, the auditors of reality who are kind of a series villain. And so <laughs> he, he retires to go be a farm man. He retires to go be human. And, and, and he starts working the farm for this old lady who doesn't take nonsense. And yeah, it's, but the problem is, once death was fired, oh, people aren't dying anymore. And the oldest yeah. wizard on the Discworld, who was supposed to die, suddenly finds himself alive. Um, which, which could have, yeah, and that, that wreaks havoc uh, big time. Yeah, um, but, uh, but, but, but just, just the, the way it ends is very, very beautiful. Um, yeah, he, the, he, he had a, a, an absolutely incredible skill at weaving humor and... and chaos and meaning in a really lovely way which is uh, yeah like it's an unusual skill it's an unusual talent but yeah so we're we're we're, um yeah those are some of the books that we're looking at at reading and some of the suggestions we've had and definitely like i've been we always have this situation because as soon as we've we've um finished uh recording uh this season uh and releasing it one by one, we also need to start recording our next season. And our next season is my book selection. And that always becomes a fun exercise of, but what about the, oh, well, maybe, what about that? What about, so it gets really, decision-making gets really fun. Um, and I, I think, yeah, by fun, I mean, oh gosh. Uh, Ruth's kind of the opposite of me where, you know, like I have, I still have, I think I mentioned that when I started the podcast, I had five books. Yeah, I had five books in mind. My first five lined up. So Cat's Cradle is my fourth choice. So after Rue's pick after Cat's Cradle will be my fifth choice. But now I've already got two to three more ideas of what I want to do post book five. Whereas, yes, when we get to, I'd say usually it's in the last third of the book when I'm reading is when I start kind of metaphorically poking Rue with a stick and going, you got to pick something. You got to, and, and, but, but what I'm getting at is Rue, you, you tend to do more with, well with, with me and other friends going, well, suggestion, you know, we'll, we'll throw Rue, well, how about something about this author? Or, hey, how about this? Um, I've still got I, a few ideas I that, that I think. Kind of, I need yeah. that kind of dynamic because it's for me, it's like, I don't know how to pick. There's too many options. And then I don't know which one will be, su- I mean, so far, we've had from my picks. There's been two books in in English that are that is like an English that is 
not contemporary, so I'm going to phrase it, non-contemporary English. So that was oh, like, yeah, oh, you, why you, did you, I do this to myself? Um, <laughs> yeah, re- recording those is always a, a kind of a, you're torturing yourself by yes, reading yes. those. Yes, why? Slightly masochistic. And then there's the, um, and I do like my more lighthearted books that have a deeper layer to them because that's what it feels like. I've got a funny story in my um my, I've got a friend who lives in Denmark, and he decided that he was going to try Anne of Green Gables. He speaks English very well, but English is his second language. So he tried the first chapter and had to give it up immediately. He could not parse the older English of Anne yeah. of Green Gables, which understandable. Now, I mean, as native speakers, we can look at Anne of Green Gables and go, Yes, the English is a bit archaic, but being that it was what written in 1911, it's still modern. Yeah. So it's 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 got its challenges, but it's not like insurmountable. But I guess yes, coming at it as a second language, it can be quite uh, difficult. Yes, 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 yes. There's there's and I mean some of the suggestions or some ideas that I've been kind of bouncing around. Um, one of which was. Uh, maybe a book by Michael Ende, uh, who's the, um, you, you may not know that he is the author of The NeverEnding Story, but he is the oh. author of The NeverEnding Story. Not that we would do The NeverEnding Story just because of its name. Could be a little intimidating. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it already feels like it takes far too long for us to get things done. <laughs> Sometimes, yes. Um, and then there's the other one, which was you know, Astrid Lincoln of, uh, and I apologize to all the Swedish people for butchering that name. That could also, that's another thing. Picking authors whose names I cannot pronounce. Excellent choice. Uh, you, mean, you mean the weekly different pronunciation of Madeleine Lang? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, <laughs> Oh dear, um, but yeah. So the other Astrid Lindgren, who wrote uh, um, Pippi Longstocking, again, ah. not the book that I would select to read because she's written plenty of others as well. And, and, other and, I'm thinking and, basically and, a German. I'm thinking a German or a Scandinavian book that's been translated to English that people have some familiarity with. That that that's in the you know in the okay awareness. If you're comfortable with talking about things you're considering, I mean. In the past, we've discussed uh, rereading Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. Yep, uh, that's we, also we've on dis- the list. We've discussed something by Ursula Le Guin. Yep, um, uh, there's, there was the idea of reading one of the first novels written by a woman, or and then we considered the language, the English of that time, and went maybe, maybe <laughs> not. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, also, was it George uh, Eliot, possibly. I can't remember. Oh. Um, George Eliot's books are all very long, if I recall. Yes, that was the other thing. Uh, George Eliot's the, the one that the did, who did Middlemarch, right? Um, that, yes. Yeah, I can't remember the, yeah, first. Which, wasn't George Eliot a pseudonym? That was a female author and she yes, had to write as a, is, a man to get published? Yes, um, I think. Uh, Actually, um, in the intro to Count of Monte Cristo, they mentioned George Eliot. Um, because uh, they were a contemporary of Alexander Dumas. And while Dumas enjoyed the fantastical, uh, Eliot was actually one of his biggest critics because to George Eliot, a good story was something root, firmly rooted in reality. That's why all of her stories are basically like small town English drama, which I mean, yeah, I've I, read Middlemarch and it was, it was definitely like, oh my God, is, you know, you really start to care about the characters and hope they all find happiness. But yeah, it's a very... 
it, it is a very grounded thing compared to uh, the, the fantasy of Dumas. <laughs> so I, 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 I sit corrected. Um, it was not the first uh, one of the first novels. I know it was one of the earlier novels um, by women, but no, one of the first novels or first known book in English by a woman was Revelations of Divine Love by Julian of Norwich. And that was between the 14th and 15th centuries. Wow. Oh, so, that, so that's like Chaucer times. And if you've ever yeah. tried to read Canterbury Tales, I, I would recommend against it. But yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing that to myself or others. But yeah, so it's, there's, oh, I'm going to uh, have a look uh, around. But if you have and ideas. And I just want to throw it out there because, you know, throw it out there might happen. And I think it's a good idea. I originally, as one of my picks, I wanted to do The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. And then Rue mm. kind of perked up and goes, oh, my God, I'd love to do The Hobbit. I'm like, oh, please, please. I think it'd be great for you to read The Hobbit. But she hasn't so, picked it yet. <laughs> uh, the Hobbit might also make it. I don't know. At this point, I, I'm tempted. I'm tempted. Um, I will say that I won't be doing Little Women. Mainly you know what? I've never read that. You haven't. Look. But it's too long, right? That, it's too long? I think it was a length thing. But also, it's been covered in the media so many different variations and right, options right. that I don't feel like I don't feel like it's contributing anything, anything new to then also it's already part of the discourse basically it's already part of okay. our, our, what we talk about not touching Virginia Woolf because mainly also again length uh, Agatha Christie length um, oh actually the, no no yeah. a lot of Agatha Christie books are rather short it Some of be, them are short, yeah. It would be really cool. I mean, I've already read um, And Then There Were None and Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, I forgot the name of it, but there was some uh, Agatha Christie discourse on Reddit and someone mentioned what is regarded her masterpiece. And I'm like, oh, well, I loved the, the two books I've read so much. I've read a couple of other her books. Like, you know, I think I've read a Miss Marple and a couple other Perot. Poirot. Uh, always tough saying that name. <laughs> but That's um, another reason why I'd be nervous about doing Agatha Christie, because if we do a Poirot, I'm going to mispronounce his name every <laughs> time. Well, maybe you'd need to do a Miss Marple then. Marple's very yes. easy to say. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but what was I going to say? I was talking the, about... Which, which Reddit uh, best... Oh, yeah, yeah. The, so so that, that's a book I need to, I need to rediscover what book they were talking about and then put it back on my list because yeah was it the mousetrap i don't know mousetrap's pretty good i do enjoy that one it's a pretty good one so now now i think um i'm just going to quickly look through the books i read this year to see if there's anything i want to talk about yes please oh i i might meant i'll start off by mentioning that on the book chat i talked about the cradle series i've been reading yes uh really enjoying that well um I won't say I finished it because it's not done, but I'm caught up. So now I'm waiting for the author to release the next book. <laughs> um, like, but there but will yeah, be another book, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm. I mean, you know, hey, I'm I, I'm not uh, a George R. R. Martin fan, so you know, I'm not waiting decades for the next one. Although I am a Harry Dresden fan, and Jim Butcher has been taking quite a while to come out with books for a while. This is not well, a criticism. This is not no, a criticism. No. <laughs> we understand. Things take time. Oh, that's who I forgot to mention. I did mention on the previous podcast, uh, Scottish author Ben Ten. He's... Oh, yeah, you talked about him. 
I mentioned him. He's still yeah, like the, those books. I haven't been uh, haven't caught up to the latest ones, but those ones are really like I've really enjoyed his um, his books. I'm gonna find the name because that's what I do. I've just been reading oh, all the books. While you look for that, let me just yeah. bring up um, something I wanted to mention because I mentioned yeah. George R. R. Martin, which yes, made me yes. think of this. So um, I tried to read. Well, I did read Leviathan Wakes. Let me just get the author's name by James S. A. Comey which is mm. the first book of the Expanse series. Mm. So the reason I read that is that a lot of my friends have been going on and on about how good a show the Expanse is. And me being me, I'm like, oh, well, it's based on a series of novels. Let me read the first one and see what I think. So I did not like this book, but it reminds me of exactly the same thing. So back when Game of Thrones season one started, all that long time ago, Remember when we, when we, we had such hope for uh, the series, um, I had the same thought. Oh, this is based on a series of books. Mm. So let me read the first book. I read the first uh, Song of Ice and Fire book, and I didn't like it. Actually, very similar to this Leviathan Lakes. I, it didn't hit me at all. Now, with Game of Thrones, what I decided to do is, well, my friends love the show. I didn't like the book let me try the show now. And I, I found that really, I, I ended up really liking the show. So it's made me think that maybe I should try the Expanse show now because maybe oh. what well, the book didn't hit, maybe it's one of those stories that just, you know, works better adapt for me, adapted into another medium. Mm. I think it, some sometimes that is the case where you need the you need the setting of the character, like you need to see mm. the characters alive for you to kind of go, yeah. oh, okay, I get it now. I see these people fleshed out. I can now relate back to the. Usually that way people can return to books and then they read them and then it they click better. Some folks are like that. Well, well it- you know, they, the, the, the old adage of never read the book. Sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, it was, um, you, you know, the idea of if you read the book and then watch the movie, you'll always be disappointed. Uh, mm. I've heard a very good thing about it's actually a really good thing to watch a movie. And then if you like, go read the book, because what that does, if you like the movie, suddenly you read the book and suddenly it fills in everything. You know, you get you get the character's thoughts and feelings and it fills in all the extra little details about the world. It's kind of pouring a picture in where where there's, you know, if you read the book first and you like it and then you watch a movie more often than not, you're like, Oh, they cut out all this. This isn't the same. And I think that that's something that does hold true for some, like many, many books that can definitely hold true. I think I'm probably biased. I think that that Anne of Green Gables would be the other way around for me. Like I read the book, then watch the series, and then you're like, oh yeah, no, I see how the series. It's, that's a nice kind of tribute. Yeah, this, it, it, I agree that sometimes it is one way or the other and that's because we've grown up we're a generation that's grown up with and the one preceding us and the one preceding that so this this multimodal multi we're used to different formats for our intake of stories so to speak so we're used to hearing stories in different formatting it's not like we've grown up for decades only sitting by the fireside and listening to the the village storyteller telling us the story no we're used to getting it in different formats in audio in visual in uh reading in all these different formats so i guess in a way our minds maybe sometimes 
some books we need help connecting with it and that's not everyone some people are fine mm-hmm. just reading the book but then others it, it they might need a little bit of a, a a different i guess input like for me hamlet i've always had difficulty reading hamlet i never really liked reading hamlet and isn't i saw that just, it performed but but isn't that just i've heard but that's the problem we come across when teaching shakespeare especially teaching it to teenagers you yeah. sit in a class and you read the text and you know it because none of the kids are trained actors it does, yeah. there's no life to it whereas you see it performed and suddenly the whole thing comes alive even if the language yeah. is still difficult yeah. you you can you can hear the cadence and the poetry and you can hear the emotion so even well, even an yeah. audiobook would yeah. be much preferable to just reading it off the page and I think um, that's the challenge, though, with, with Shakespeare. Though I haven't, I didn't have that problem with some of his other work. It was just specifically okay. Hamlet that I struggled with. Um, okay. And then as soon as I I saw it performed live, suddenly, oh, okay, no, now I really, I'm, I'm getting this. I, I get the tone. I get the, the, the tension. It's, it's really coming across. For some reason, it just wasn't sticking very well. Well, um, I mean, I mean that that character. I'd say when it's played well has a lot of nuance to it. Yes, uh, yeah, that's that's a big thing. Um, and uh, whereas, re- yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. No, I, I think I covered this uh, the story I was about to tell on another podcast, so I won't okay. repeat myself. But um, this is maybe a longer conversation that we can have another time. But it's just, yeah. I, I watched something the other day talking about. Um, you know, manga versus anime kind of adapting and w- which mm. is better. And But it talked more about the idea of adaptation. And the idea is yeah. if you're taking something and you're adapting it to a different medium, don't, you know, it, it, it's almost boring or there's no point if you're just going to try and copy the original yes. work. What you need to do is you need to play to the strengths of the medium you're adapting it to. Yes. And maybe that's yes. why, you know, yeah, Game of Thrones works so well for me as a prestige TV show rather than just these characters on a page, even though I was getting more insight into their thoughts. You know, they mm-hmm. just didn't, the, the setting and the characters didn't come alive to me like they did suddenly when portrayed by the uh, the actors who wonderfully portrayed them in the show. Yeah, no, that that's, and that makes sense. Like it sometimes it doesn't, it's not, again, it's not on the author. It is literally sometimes whatever the the lens of the reader, I think, is something that we have to also remember. There's that too, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's a big thing. Like, this, this is so just jumping to the, the other book that the author I was thinking of mentioning was uh, mm-hmm. J.D. Kirk um, does a whole bunch of really good kind of Scottish set um, crime stories. And I find... I like my crime series and I like my mm-hmm. crime stories. And I've talked about it that I can handle negative or dark or horrible things if it's fiction <laughs> to a point. Like, I, I'm not a huge horror person, but everything else, like crime, yeah, sure. And and it's, I guess, it's because it's, um, it's not real. Uh, it makes it easier to, to process. And then having that justice or that vindication or that solution or resolution or... Mm that challenge or that character growing hopefully as an outcome of whatever that's been going on and i don't know if he jumps off the page as a writer for everyone but i know for me it does Mm. and again it's possibly because i watch a lot of procedural drama or a lot of Mm. kind of 
the, one expression for it is is uh, I'm not going to use it. But yeah, so there's there's uh, the show, shows that are procedural, like Bones, like I don't know. I, elementary. I enjoy this. Elementary. Although I want to see the latest season, I, the last few seasons that I haven't. But yeah, those kind of things. They're kind of because uh, there's there's a certain, you know that there's they're looking for like something bad happens. They're trying to investigate it. Something bad might happen, might not happen. More clues might be found. More is discovered. Like so, so it, there's a certain rhythm to it. There's a certain, well, it's called a procedure. And it's, it's literally procedure. And most of them, the, the ones that I guess you tend to like and be similar to the ones I tend to like, it, it's more about the um, the charisma and banter of the main character. And usually they have a sidekick. Yeah, or, or or the the dynamics of the team of people who are mm-hmm. doing what they're doing and why they're doing what they're doing, and you get to know them. I find reading it is actually I enjoy reading these kind of things a little bit a little bit more than watching because you actually get to know why they're so like what they're thinking when they're doing the thing, mm-hmm. what they're feeling as opposed and they do really well in most TV series where they express and say, Oh, this guy gives me the heebie jeebies or like, this is, mm. this is uncomfortable or whatever. Like they'll talk about it, but it's not quite the same as when you read what, what the uh, character is thinking at the time. So yes, it's mm. been very interesting to, explore as a as a uh, medium but yeah, it's, it's so 2023 um it's a it's a year that's definitely looking we're looking in, down the barrel of and um we like so many wonderful suggestions and they are definitely uh setting off a desire to explore the worlds that you have you have suggested for us to explore <laughs> if this is if this sets off a whole bunch of suggestions no rue you need to read this book so be it please do please share <laughs> We're happy to hear. I really would love to read Ursula Le Guin, but um, again, the length of the book, when we hit that, usually when it hits, uh, what's the rough number that we kind of went with? 500. I mean, Catch-22 was 550, and that was by far our longest book. Yeah. But, you know, like most of our books have been in the 300 to 400 page yeah. range. So we may have exceptions, you know, but... I think I think that that half a thousand is a good uh, benchmark. Yes, that's, that's ho- usually ho- where we want to stop. <laughs> hopefully like shorter. Stop. shorter. I'll, I'll tell you. Better. Yeah. I've I've got some interesting books just on my I need to read uh, list. Let, let's see. I don't have authors for all of these. I should probably write down the authors. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, just you know, in classics, these are probably going to be challenging reads because a lot of classic classics are but i've got you know i've got the iliad and the odyssey by homer i feel i need to read those finally or maybe find an audiobook where they're well dramatized actually you know if you're having trouble with like if if uh, an older story is a little too dry i find audiobooks are the best way to approach that Mm. because the hopefully the narrator makes the work come alive and even if it isn't as engaging as it could be you can be doing other things while listening <laughs> same thing i've got beowulf on my classics i've also got the i'm hope i'm pronouncing this right the masnavi by rumi hmm. um, um I, I i should know how to pronounce it but i need to see it in front of me before i can remember i and and being that i have read some of these but i don't actually remember anything so that's great 
Um. Then let's see, in my other category, I've got uh, The Gollum and the Ginny by Helene Wecker, uh, The Last Wish by Andrzej Sapowski. That's the first Witcher book. Um, I've played all three games, so I thought, hey, why not check out the book? Uh, the Prophet by Khalil Gibran. I've I've heard about that book for years, and yeah. I I think I I've, need to read I've, it. I've read it. Actually, it wouldn't be bad to read it. Actually, could be an interesting one. I don't know if it, it's something for the podcast only because oh, okay. I, I just know some of the backstory behind where like the the origin of the Prophet. Oh, okay. And and yeah, it's it's it would be a great thing to read but i'd get i'd be at risk of going right into the deep backstory of it and i don't know how much of that is appropriate for the podcast okay it gets it could get a little uh into like historical religious events and maybe okay. might, might be you know might not be what our listeners necessarily are up for gotcha yeah. <laughs> well if, if you know if I end up reading it, we could have a good discussion about that in the next book chat whenever I do. Yes, yes. that'd be good. Uh, for some of these, I don't know if they're fiction or nonfiction, so I'll, tr- I'll try and stick to the fiction ones. No Longer Human by Osamu Daze. I, Osamu Daze. I think that's Japanese, maybe. Mm. I don't even know where half of these recommendations come from. You know, like I'll scour the internet and someone will talk about a book and I'm like, that sounds good. And I write it on the list. Um, Some of our listeners will give a, give a suggestion. They'll go on the list. Yeah. Um, be, because, uh, oh, what happened? What happened? Oh, yes. Um, because I enjoyed season one of The Sandman so much this year, I decided that, mm. you know what? I, I really need to go back and read Neil Gaiman's work. So uh, I've got Stardust on there. That's one of the first novels after uh, Good Omens he wrote. I think uh, I've got a physical copy of Stardust. Ah. And, and then... Her. This book, just I love the title of it, and it sounded fun. It's called uh, Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe. <laughs> I want to read that just because Yeah, it sounds great, doesn't it? sounds fantastic. Oh, wow. That's, that's very cool. You know, um, that's the thing. You, ha- you have these uh, note files that you just write things in. Half the time, you don't even know why it's on there, but you'll eventually you get around to it, and hopefully you get surprised. No, that'd be uh, like it just sometimes you get these these interesting book ideas or suggestions that, or there's one that I've got on my to read list. I've got to find it. That is uh, Mrs. Tilney. So the idea is it's the sequel to Northanger Abbey, and it's by uh, it's a modern author. Okay. I don't know if it's self published or not. I haven't really looked um, into much detail, but it. It's um, look. I'm just curious to see what happens. Like I'd Mm. I'd like to know how people interpret the continuation of these characters. And there's another one which, excuse me, I've mentioned the series where they've taken Jane other Jane Austen stories and they've either continued or they sort. Well, what if Jane Austen but magic, or what if Jane Austen (laughs) but dragons? What if Jane Austen but zombies? We had that. That actually became a commercially successful series, uh, movie. Um, so, and he it kicked off uh, other ones like Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Yes, yes. Um, there's actually someone, I've got a friend who's published some books, and I'll have to check whether it's appropriate. Mm. I'll talk to her if she'll be okay with us reading it, and also check if it's appropriate. But that looks really 
very like it 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 quotes Rumi. It's uh, like it's um, it, it did really well. It's been very well received as a book. It's not well known, but it's it sounds like a good book as well. Oh, and, and actually, speaking of like things to read in twenty twenty three, I haven't even looked at it yet. I probably should do maybe after we finish. I'll look into it. But um, it's December. So every year I look at the um, the New York Times, you know, like best yeah. books of the year list, and that usually informs some uh, some of the more difficult reading of the year. Because uh, yeah, the most difficult books I read in twenty twenty two were off that list a lot because mm. you know they dealt with people with um, very difficult histories. But I mm. actually uh, from that list there is one I do want to recommend. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? It's called No One Is Talking About This by Patricia Lockwood. Now, it was one of those things where, so I do no research into these books uh, when I rent them from the library, which is a problem, actually. I really should start screening them just to see if I'm into them and I don't, air quote, to waste my time. But so I knew nothing about this book. I opened it up and it says other books by Patricia Lockwood, uh, Priest Daddy, a memoir, and she was on the list uh, three, four, or five years ago, and I'd read Priest Daddy, and Priest Daddy is hilarious. It's basically uh, stories about her priest father, but why he's a priest and how he became a priest and why he has a family and just how weird and funny her parents are. It's a, it's a very funny book. So once I saw that, I was re- suddenly I was like, oh, this is your next book. Oh, great. This is going to be great. And here's the funny thing. Uh, no one is talking about this. It's very snarky, it's very funny, it's very flippant, and then at one point it gets very serious. <laughs> oh, <gosh>. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I would recommend that one. Actually, like Priest Daddy and No One Is Talking About This. I like she's a relatively new author, but uh, but I've enjoyed both books and I really look forward to whatever she does next. Mm, no, that that sounds like I need to have a look at it. That looks funny. Yeah. I'd, I'd be curious to, to see um, what comes out of the list this year and see if there's anything you're going to go, Ro, you got to read this. It's going to happen. Yeah, no, no. Nope. It, I, I mean, you know, there, there were plenty of good books, but a lot of them were either stuff I, I don't feel comfortable recommending or it's kind of like, it's like, I'm glad I read this, but, you know, I kind of want to push the memories of it away now. Yeah. You know, just because. Just it was good at the time. But well, actually, actually, an example. Okay. Uh, let me give an example. Uh, I read, uh, it's called How Beautiful We Were by Mbolo Mabue. Um, mm-hmm. And it's basically about a small African village this character comes from that the oil fields are basically polluting the hell out of like an American or English firm. Mm-hmm. And and basically, you know, how how no matter what they do, they can't, everyone's dying, you know, everyone's sick. Uh, the people in charge don't care. The government won't do anything. Some people in the village start fighting back and how that always has really negative connotations because then the local government comes down upon the village. Meanwhile, the main character actually manages to go to America and get their education to come back and fight. But overall, the book is very stark, very bleak very honest i mean it's fiction but it feels like informed by this this stuff is happening it's, so so, honestly, so what is, it sounds like a nice pick-me-up book that you know yeah, it, it's one of the books i'm really glad i read it um again you know a book that puts me into 
a life that I have, no, you know, I have no uh, mm. concept of basically because I've been so privileged in my life compared to that, that, that uh, I don't want to say hellscape, but it really sounded like, um, you know, it, you wouldn't choose to be in that situation. Yeah. Um, And and similar books in that vein, you know, the ones that really call attention to either either the 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 horrible history of the U.S. or, you know, something bad that's happening in other countries, that that kind of thing. A lot of books are like that. And yes, I think it's very important to read such stories or just to be informed. But, you know, I think it's also why I'm enjoying that I'm going back through Discworld or that I have other options. Um, Cradle was great this year because, you know, it's a fun martial arts kind of fantasy adventure. So anytime I read something really difficult, I could go to this lighter, enjoyable thing. Yeah, um, and, and, then- and I think that's a, you know, it, I, these difficult reads, they're not for everybody. I mean, that's kind of why we have the, the content notes at the start of our podcast, because <laughs> yeah. there are certain <laughs> topics and tones that, that people find distressing. And even if you're up for that sort of thing, you know, you're not up for it 24-7. You, it might be a very specific time of the year where you're like, I feel like actually I'm like that with horror movies. I have to be in a very particular mood to watch a yeah. horror movie and then I will enjoy it. But the rest of the time, it's like, no, get that away from me. I, I need something else. Mm-hmm. So it so it, it's, yeah, yeah. it's like I think it's just um, if, if you're in the mood to do one of those things, just make sure you have something uh, to take the edge off afterwards. Yeah, to balance it out, like to kind of go, okay, well, what can, what can I do? What what are things, ways that I can kind of cope with knowing that this is uh, informing the realities of other people? Like how, yeah, it's 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 easy to slip into despair, basically. Well, well, that, that yeah. that's the problem, isn't it? You, you, it's the same thing, you know. Every morning, it's it's a habit I'm trying to break myself up, but you know, I find myself scrolling Reddit's front page while I have breakfast. Scroll. And yeah, and yeah you, you, you read about, you know, like the political and economic and uh, um, realities yeah. of, of the world these days. And it, it can be very easy to just go, why am I even getting up? <laughs> but yeah. but the, the important thing is to, well, oh, see, see, actually, I was going to go into platitudes, but, but it's difficult because, mm-hmm. you, you know, we all have to keep moving forward and find the ways to um be the best we can be every day you know i Mm. i write morning pages i I do my yoga i meditate i do all this stuff to try and uh, keep myself in the best shape so that the Mm. i guess the weight of life doesn't weigh me down yeah i think that there's also this um breaking away from this addiction to perfection that's helped me uh, a bit. Hmm. I mean, I still get perfectionistic, but the idea is oh, that yeah, yeah. Um, not being I... obsessed with with like doing what I can do, acknowledging that sometimes things can be overwhelming, and they absolutely are uh, quite a lot, especially when you do scroll, uh, especially when you read um, a lot of things uh, about situations in the world and the pain and the suffering that you see in the world for many. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you kind of think of it. Well, obviously, this is not. Like and the pro- I think the biggest challenge, what makes things really despairing, is feeling like there's no way that we can make a difference. I think that's honestly the biggest trigger for mm-hmm. a lot of us. Well, well this is a personal opinion because you feel like, well, this is so much. I, it's out of my control. What can I possibly do? And you go, well, you can you can live and you can back to full circle. You can you can be that 
person who uh if you've got people who are homeless who who if there's some sort of way to contribute like regularly contribute say hand warmers or caring genuinely caring for your family members or genuinely caring about the situation of your neighbors and sometimes these things are and are not possible and some things these things are and are not easy it it just it just depends on you do it to the level that you can do it that's that's the whole point i think is is if you want to and it doesn't sort out the situation uh, about say the you know the the businesses uh, businesses who have less than ethical practices and, and and the impact that this has but it means that you're trying to contribute to a more compassionate and ethically conscious world you're yeah. trying your best um, um let, let me throw one uh recommendation ba- based on what you just said Ruth. I think I mentioned it when I turned 30, which is now 10 years in the rearview mirror, but um, I got down as low as I've ever been in my life. You know, like uh, I'm I'm, there was a point where I'm kind of lucky I'm still here. And that that low point, I decided that I needed to, you know, find ways to cope. So I dove head because I like reading. I dove headfirst into all the self-help books I could get my hands on. Now, after 10 years of reading, like pretty much every significant self-help book there is now, even writing and self-publishing one myself, like the worst things you hear about the genre, yes, they're true. So many of the books are written for just to make a quick buck. Uh, Even if the people want to help, you know, you got to realize that a lot of the advice they give might have worked for them, might not work for you. You got to pick and choose. But I got to say, like, there are a handful that I still think are very useful. And one of them uh, is called The Four Agreements. I I actually reread it a year or so ago. And it's funny because now when I think of this fourth agreement, I think of it in terms of a meme from the British Bake Off. Uh, But basically, the, the fourth agreement out of all four is always do your best. And there's that that lady with her cake she's like well you can't always be the best but you can always do your best and and i i think that's it you know that that's why i meditate that's why i i i, I exercise and I journal and i guess also why i do this podcast and my um my channel because i i want to mm-hmm. i want a creative outlet and hopefully make the world a brighter place but basically every day even the days I have mental health days, I don't get as much done as I want, you know, and I am still very hard on myself and try and work on that. But every day I'm, I'm trying to be the best person I can be. I'm trying to do my best. Mm. And I, I think. Yeah, that's what I, you can I, really do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, there's an expression, perf- perfection is the enemy of good. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Like it's, it's when we focus so much on the, on being good enough. And we never feel like we're good enough because mm-hmm. you could always be better. So, well, everyone can always be better. Everyone can always try harder. You yeah. just, you have to act in the context of your reality, which of course means you need to get to know your own reality. You need yes. to actually know what your reality is and whether that reality also, that reality can then also extend to, okay, my personal reality, the realities that are affecting my family, the realities that are affecting my neighborhood, my street, my city, my country. You can expand, but then you focus on what realities yeah. you can actually 
work with and influence. And, and I think right there, yes, you can expand outwards, but it all starts with you. Just yeah, you need to try and be the best, yeah. best you you can be. And hopefully even just by doing that, it starts, the effect starts to ripple outwards. And, and, yeah, may, and may, maybe, yeah. maybe, you know, you work on yourself. Like, you know, I have problems with my energy and motivation, mm. but um, the more exercise I do, the more I meditate, I think I'm building those muscles. And may, maybe in the future, I'll have enough energy and motivation to to get more involved in my local community, or maybe yeah. I'll be able to meet or help my neighbors more. It's something I want to do. I just yeah. don't have the wherewithal to even yeah. say hello these days. You know, yeah. I'm still kind of I'm still kind of in my turtle shell, as yeah. it were. But I keep working on myself, and it's it's that idea that yeah, you 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 just. I mean, the most important thing is just keep moving forward. You know. Yeah. Just but also, don't give up, you know, you know. But also resting when you need to rest. rest well, that's all part of it. Don't forget to rest. You yeah. Resting is know- a proactive step for your health, by the way. You, you talked yeah. about knowing yourself. And it's yeah. something I think you probably still struggle with. But, like, I'm getting more and more kind about, no, you know, if I, if I spend an hour on my bed in the middle of the day scrolling Reddit, I need that, even though I... I might chastise myself for not getting things done. Well, obviously the will or the energy or something isn't there. And it's funny how eventually the scrolling, it's almost like the switch is flicked. And it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. time to get off the phone. It's time to do something now. Yeah. And I think there's a whole bunch of things that factor into it. Like some is sense of purpose. Some is... Uh, we've talked about this before that it's not mutually exclusive to get to know yourself and to work on what you need to work on on yourself as well as to be involved in the world around you like those are Mm. both settings that can happen like they're both things that happen simultaneously and even if we don't realize even if the interaction is again back to this you know people who are working in service roles even if our interaction is simply the person who's working the cat at the cat the cashier uh, the, the cashier who's working or someone who opens the door for you in a supermarket or like these kind of little tiny interactions that's still something that you can like even if you even when we don't have necessarily the energy or the capacity at that point in time or this particular point in time necessarily to go and form a deep and meaningful relationship with all your neighbors and whatever maybe that's down the track but even just that small little incremental steps i think we need to appreciate that this can be our way of contributing and other people who are listening i don't know who's listening you don't know who's listening maybe there's someone listening out there who actually has a larger capacity or a greater capacity or a greater circle of influence or might be able to affect some change like they might own their own business and decide oh we're going to introduce you know if, if you're in america you might decide to pay, have paid sick leave and then just cut into the profits for that year or whatever. I don't know who's listening. It doesn't matter. Um, but the, the what, point what, is... What we found out around, uh, thanks to Spotify, apparently a lot of you are listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had no idea. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, but whoever's like, you know, or even just the way that we interact and the way we interact with others, but also the way that we consider ourselves. Mm-hmm. If we are willing to, I guess, and this came up at some stage and you'll probably hear in the coming season, the concept of grace to extend grace to ourselves and others is quite, oh. it, it can be a challenge, but it's, yes. it's, uh, it's, it's something that can make, 
the overwhelming challenges that we see in the world, the overwhelming, the, the you know how there's, the, there's a temptation to just go, oh, just positive news only. Oh, I only want to see uplifting stuff. Oh, I don't want to deal with anything that is possibly negative or discouraging or overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you do need breaks for sure. But if you're not aware of the realities that others are also facing, as as well as your own reality you are your it's an opportunity wasted to actually maybe be a source of upliftment for others or to be a source of support and and genuine change not just a superficial oh here i sent you a smiley face therefore you must feel better now but literally i mean maybe that helps someone i don't know it might be your way of helping people i'm not judging it but i'm trying to say that <laughs> if you want to go beyond the sending of an emoji to indicate your support and sympathy this is not i'm not meaning this with sarcasm just saying if this is something you, you desire you wish you could do more then yeah you shame those emoji users i'm not shaming you i, I use it all the time I'm not, but like, if you are wanting to do something beyond where you are current, how you're currently trying to affect change, then it's a case of, I think, again, knowing your reality, knowing what you need to work on, examining the reality around you, and then thinking, well, what can I, how can I practically, and gen if I want to genuinely help someone, what is it that can help um, that isn't assuming that I know best for them? what will help them so it's it's it's, it's really hard because it, it, there's a whole yeah. there's a whole mul multiple twitter storms on these different topics that have well, come up but just if, ask if, how can i help if i can talk maybe can a help? little about my own growth in regards yeah. to rue you know rue's had many medical challenges over the past 20 years and i've known her for 26 or so so yeah. like you know the, the our the the start of our relationship she was just I, I'll put air quotes, normal. Yeah. <laughs> or at least, at least she hit it well. But, um, you know, as time went on, more and more things kept happening. And this was also, I guess, when it really started going weird was also the time I was probably at my lowest times looking for mm -hmm. anything like the life raft or anything that worked. And as it happens, you know, I think we're all guilty of this. When you find something that works for you, you champion that shit. You're basically like, this is the best thing ever. Everybody needs to be doing this because, oh, my Yoga God. Yoga and kale. Yoga and kale. Oh, my well, gosh. Well, well, that's the joke. And getting getting outside my own bullshit, um, especially because Rue just kept having all these challenges and because we're good friends, so we keep talking, I, I, I kind of finally came to the realization, oh, it, it it's, it's kind of arrogant to suggest these in, in retrospect, very obvious things to someone who's suffering because chances are they've already tried it because you you, you know you're you're not Moses coming down from Mount Sinai with 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 these ideas that no one's ever come up with before. <laughs> yeah, my favorite thing is when people tell people who are chronically ill, "Oh, do you drink enough water?" and they look at you and you're like you're trying internally. You're just going through this. You didn't. You never did that. Um, just, I, I just, just I just said, um, I just said, have you tried underwater horse yoga? <laughs> yes, water, yoga, and meditation. Not water. You said uh, walking, yoga, and meditation were the three that you were trying to encourage. And and I was like, look, they're, they're fantastic. And I cannot do yoga. That is that is off the list. I tried it, actually, and it caused some injuries. So that was very bad. So yoga was off. Uh, the walking was good. And then the problem was that my ankles kept dislocating. So the walking became a problem. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, you you need Don't. you need your ankles located to be able to walk properly. <laughs> it's very unpleasant. I can just tell you that. Also, yeah. And then um, the meditation thing was was yes. And then, but the type of meditations like there's different types of meditations. Mm-hmm. And some of them actually made my pain worse, and some are good, and some are not good. And so, but yeah, this idea of reflection and meditation. I'm like, like yeah, this is something I I do. But oh. but it was like it didn't look the same thing, and then it was a, it was mm. a whole thing. But and, and, and absolutely, people should, if your meditation means you sit and you're thinking about your day, let that be your meditation. Just genuinely do that. That's fine. That is what meditation, meditation looks well, differently to different that, That's reflection and reflection is a good uh, component yeah. of, yeah. Um, actually, based on that as well, um, the idea that, you know, these come from places of uh, goodwill, yeah. but uh, it's missing the component that not everything works for everyone. So, um, you know, hence realities, get to know realities. (laughs) It's kind of a blanket statement that if, you know, especially if you're struggling mentally, uh, therapy is a great idea. And I'm I'm still a proponent of that. But here's the thing. So and I only learned this because I uh, over the last couple of years, I've started reading books related to my specific uh, trauma. I don't really want to bring up what that is, but, you know, I started researching it myself. Because every time I've ever been to therapy, it, it's gone badly. Yeah. And, and, and the books kind of said that. Oh, for people like you, Dave, you know, the book didn't address me directly. I'm just paraphrasing. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. For, for people like me who've been through what I've been through, often if, if the person that you're seeing isn't specifically trained to deal with people who, who, yeah. who've gone through this, uh, most people who go to therapy end up feeling worse afterwards. It, it, it kind of has the opposite effect. And, and suddenly it was like it was like that veil lifted. Like, oh, that's why therapy's never worked for me. And and again, it's that one thing where, and I think it's an overcorrection because you know there's such still such an aversion to therapy in our societies, like Australia, mm-hmm. America, the UK, the where, where you know we, we've been. Um, <laughs> I, it's probably the same all over the world, really, now that yeah. I think there's of it. Dif- there's different types of bias and prejudice. And, and uh, th- one of them is like, if you can s- sit there and spend an hour talking about yourself, you could go and do some work instead. Or you could go like, yeah, I, I think it's 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 uh, um, people don't. I mean, also, there's some really bad therapy models out mm-hmm. there that don't work for everyone. And people well, assume they work for everyone and they don't. Um, well, we, as, he, 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 as case in point. Well, it's yeah. a thing that you don't like to think about uh, because it's terrifying. But, you know, um, in every profession, there's going to be people that are awful at their job. If you're looking at like a bell curve, right? Or yeah. you're looking just at, 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 I guess, is statistics the right word? But basically, you know, like you're going to have people that are really, really good at what they do and people that are really, really bad at what they do. Yeah. And, and you know, for, pe- you know, like artists and writers and... Um, and then maybe uh, that's yeah. okay. And then you think accountants, ooh, doctors, yeah. <laughs> surgeons, uh, well, well, and you're like, also, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, even with that, and good and bad, and and again, this comes up later <laughs> next season in the podcast. You will hear uh, it comes up this idea of relative um, good and relative bad that. Compar- comparative good and comparative bad are not actually fantastic measures and that's like there's challenges with it like yeah we can say there's good therapist is bad therapist but one person's therapist might work for them oh that's but then true really too. doesn't work in a different scenario 
doesn't person. So it's yeah. it's it's incredible. And and of course, there are people who are doing things for different motivations that influence their competency and their dedication to uh, keeping their skill sets and understandings and compassion and humility up to date. So the, the, having that intellectual humility is a huge thing that we don't necessarily see in many professions. And that's yes. because you, you know, we don't live in that kind of society. We live in a society where it's, you know, the expression is fake it till you make it, not admit that you're not quite familiar with it yet. And you'd like to inform yourself and take the time to learn about it. No, no, it's fake it till you make it. I, I was reading a thread yesterday about how doctors seem to be uh, overly susceptible to propaganda Yep. Because they, you know, they've worked so hard to achieve their degree. They kind of got this idea that they're an expert on, especially if they're specialized, they're an expert on this one thing. Oh, that must transfer to being an expert on everything. And so, yeah. so someone wrote a very funny thing. It's like, yeah, my, my partner is a great surgeon. I would not trust them to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> and I guess it's that thing where, you know. Yeah. We all have our strengths and weaknesses, but but I guess the trick going back maybe full circle to the humility yeah. is that if you know this one thing, that's cool. You know the one thing. Don't don't make the mistake of thinking that that knowledge transfers to being uh, knowledgeable about all these yeah. other things. And at the same time, you're, and then in terms of the uh, other way, which is also to know that you need to learn how to transfer skills across to other things. Mm. Knowledge you might not have, but you might have skills that can assist you in other areas. Like um, knowing that water boils and the ste that steam is hotter than the water, that has more energy than the water that you're boiling. That that knowledge from science, fantastic, great. It lets you understand things like the steam engine and, and why if you get burns from steam, it's actually worse than if you get burns from mm. boiling water. Neither pleasant, but steam is worse. But that kind of knowledge, if you then took that and that understanding and you transfer that to cooking, means, oh, oh I know, I need to make sure that, you know, I, I can steam my vegetables this way or that way and that will cook them quicker or more thoroughly. or whatever. So your understanding of things can transfer from one aspect of your your of its application to another and i think that that something is a skill set that people don't realize that they can do and that they have as a capacity and that we all need to work on but this this is all coming back down to the the, the whole idea of you know we're getting overwhelmed by a lot of the stuff in the world you've got skills whether you you are the best at the world or at the worst if you compare against others forget it but you have skills whoever you are out there in the world there's something you can do there's something and if you can't do it to the level that you'd like to do it that's something to work on but there's some way that you could use those skills in a way that helps somewhere somehow and i think that that's the main thing like this is why we like reading these books because they show us these different scenarios and settings where people discover or learn skills or have dialogue or are challenged or are you know have victories have crises and all these things because and they're fictitious so that's it's easier to to process right that's why I love uh, fantasy and sci-fi so much we talked yeah. on that before because yeah. it's almost that it's all it's another layer of insulation. Oh, yeah. this is so far in the future in this fantastical setting. So, yeah. so the things that they're talking about, as awful as they may be, there, there's a little bit of a barrier. So it's like I can still get what they're talking about, but I feel a little safer in, a, in enjoying this story. This is not story. real, right? Um, but, the, but the thing is that the actual, the actual 
capacities, and I'm not talking about, like, say, the ability to spell cast, that's not what I'm talking about here, <laughs> uh, obviously. Um, but, but the idea that someone, despite being discouraged or bec becoming isolated or being belittled in a society or being the top of the pops and having a massive demise, like in terms of like the, the, the great descent of, of, uh, in terms of social acknowledgement and acceptance, the, these kind of things, despite how they respond in those scenarios, because, you know, at the end of the day, all these books are written by humans, humans with different values, humans with different experiences and realities and everything and, and, and concepts of what isn't isn't justice and what isn't yep. isn't fair and how characters develop and what are good qualities and all these things. But they are reflecting an aspect of humanity and in their characters, they are described, even if it's an it's a 10 foot green blob um, <laughs> from or it's anti-beast from, you know, the um, wrinkle in time. Hmm. The, the, it's the, they are using qualities that we can relate to because that's what they relate to. That's what they know. We're humans. We have, and I, I haven't really gone into the philosophy of this really. We have different realities, but we have, there's common ground, there's like common threads in a way. It's just that how we value those threads or how we perceive uh, how we prioritize those different things. Like we're talking about arrogance and self-confidence and fake it to you, make itness and, and so bluffing versus humility and actually w wishing to learn and willingness to learn and being able to communicate that in a society that we have or needing therapy and being open about it or not recognizing the need for therapy and just going, nah, never need it, never going to need it, never going to be good. I don't need that. I'm not broken. I'm not this. So that projection of that is those assumptions and, and things that cloud us. But when you say the word, when you have a description of a character caring for someone and caring for someone without uh, necessarily an agenda, so mm -hmm. Aunt Beast is who I'm thinking of right now, like where, mm -hmm. where they just immediately looked after Meg. Oh, and, and Aunt Beast is from A Wrinkle in Time. So go back and listen to that if you want yeah. uh, more context. Aunt Beast is A Wrinkle in Time. So looking after Meg, for example, and it was basically, look, this is, this is someone who needs help and help. Um, mm -hmm. A little bit of Mr. Rogers, I guess, uh, kind mm -hmm. of tone of, look for the helpers what you you might not consider it a significant contribution to someone's life by doing something as simple as i don't know uh noticing they've dropped i mean dropped their wallet maybe in these times these financial times yeah you might make a huge difference but um in terms of like uh the simple things like noted we have dogs that keep getting loose in our neighborhood and we keep um, stopping and finding them and, and making sure that they get back to their homes. Like, that's just one thing that we will stop our car. We, if we're on our way to an appointment, we'll stop and we'll, we'll get that dog and we will either, uh, get them to their home or we'll call the appointment and say, sorry, we're late. We, we actually explain it. Like this, and I'm not, this is not tooting my horn. I'm just trying to say, like, these are, mm -hmm. you find the thing that you can do and you do it. And, mm. and, and think about why you're doing it. And then, keep doing whatever it is that you know like, because they're all good boys yeah be kind of yeah so it's, it's this idea of not it's whole it's being a source of hope when things feel overwhelmingly hopeless even if you don't think that that little thing that you're doing provides it's those little things that give you uh, so my, my yeah. mind just went back to uh i can't remember the the exact exchange but from this world 
Captain Carrot says, you know, they always say it's better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. And then Vimes goes off at him and goes, really? Who says that? What a ridiculous thing. And then I can't remember the rest of his rant why that's wrong, but I always remember that. But yeah, just, I mean, just, yeah, I, I don't know if this encourages just, well, uh, it's probably because also, you know what it is. It's also the time of Hanukkah so that people are referring to lighting handles and being the light and contributing. So it's like, it's, it's, you know. It is that time of the year whilst we are recording this, so that makes sense why this is probably topical and on our mind. <laughs> it is the reason for the season. Oh, gosh. Uh, but yes. but I, I, I think, you know, we've been talking for over two hours now. Yes. <laughs> You're going to have fun editing. Oh, oh indubitably. <laughs> hey, I said that word right the first time. Yay. Uh, but uh, we, we hope you have enjoyed this. I mean, you know, we, we had a plan in action. And then as we want to do, we kind of rambled our way through it. But, you know, if we didn't enjoy talking, we wouldn't do this. And we hope that some of this has interested you, rubbed off on you. Um, I hope you've gotten some book recommendations out of this. Uh, we, we kind of... We didn't talk as, as much about the books as I thought we were going to, but that, <laughs> well, that's okay. Just, we, we get stimulated by books and then we're like, oh, but you know, and yeah. Mm, and Let's go off on this, in this direction. direction. Why not? Um, I, uh, think but, the, I just want to say the one important thing is that also we're not saying this with the whole thing of, oh, but we know best and we are telling you how to live your life and blah, blah, blah. We're just like, like these are just things that we're exploring and considering and thinking about and if they resonate with you awesome if they don't look people have different approaches to life and that's okay mm -hmm. don't stress no stress no pressure but uh the music at the top of the podcast is targets from the super smash brothers melee soundtrack the music at the end of the podcast is I'm the Slime by Frank Zappa. You can find me over on Twitter at Dave underscore the underscore Turnip. You can find me on the Titanic um, at Rumik Moo um, and our podcast at SMB SLT podcast. That's also on Facebook or Meta. And um, if you add uh, at gmail.com so smbslt podcast at gmail.com you can email us and given the way that notifications on meta work i strongly recommend emailing over oh, messaging yeah. the, the 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 message we got from i'm guessing that was like a while back it was not that long ago but it was enough for me to go Hmm. <laughs> this right. is this is not great. We're not getting good notification um, things, and I'm not willing to deal <laughs> with Meta. But you know, uh, as always, I I hope uh, you continue to send us your recommendations and what you think of the podcast. Uh, tell us if uh, you would like us to do more regular book chats like this. I mean, you know, we will try and start by talking about books, but then <laughs> who knows where they will distracted. go? Distracted. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, but but we hope that we hope this passed the time. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we hope you're enjoying your reading. We hope you've had a wonderful holiday season. Hope you're keeping safe, and we shall see you next time. Same bat channel. Uh. <laughs>